same to you. Oh, now it gives me a point. TV cameras are here. Cologne, all for the past five years, never once gave me a point when the show started. TV cameras are in the room. He gives me a point, Mr. Professional. Mr. Consummate Professional, Steve Cologne. <laughs> well, you know, they should have known uh, Lorena was at risk when she started giving manicures up to the knuckle. That was a sign right there. <laughs> well, what do you know? From Columbus, Ohio to Omaha, Nebraska, it's What Do You Know with Michael Feldman from APR, American Public Radio. That's John Tulin on piano, Jeff Eccles on bass, and I'm Jim Packard. In this hour of What Do You Know, author Henry Beard and the way things work, the hotline and the What Do You Know quiz. Support for What Do You Know comes from American Public Radio affiliate stations and the American Public Radio Program Fund. What Do You Know is made possible in part by Wisconsin Tourism and Mount Horb, Wisconsin, home of the world-famous Mustard Museum. And for free statewide vacation information on Wisconsin, the playground of the Midwest, it's 1-800-432-TRIP. And tell the Michael said to call. Now, the star of Meshuga in Madison, Michael Feldman! It's not an Indian word, Jim. No. That is, that is not a Ho-Chunk word. That is a, that's a Jewish word. It's not Meshuga. Does not mean gathering of the waters or something. It, it's Meshuga. Oh, Meshuga. Meshuga in Madison, like sleepless in Seattle. Uh, Meshuga in Madison. What does it mean? Meshuga means for cocked, basically. <laughs> well, hi, how are you? We are here, uh, it's about, when shall what? Minus 80? Close. Yeah. It's so cold, people who are sleeping in their RVs have come indoors here and joined us. And, that's okay. And uh, we're kind of excited here. We've got the current affair cameras in the, in the room with us here. In your face, actually. Yeah, they're in my face right now. Because, uh, and they, people don't know, is it the Bobbitt thing? Is it the Kerrigan thing? Is it the Arkansas Trooper thing? Something's happening here. We want to know what it is. I think it's the Jim Packard boarding house thing. Uh, you heard last week, Jim was talking about the woman who mysteriously disappeared some years ago that he used to visit in a boarding house while he was carrying out a large number of cheese logs from her residence. And we do believe she has been found in someone's gift package. So we're... Ooh. Ooh. There's some sealed and you heard it here so first yeah. on A Current Affair. Well, of course, the Bobbitt thing is in the news. Uh, the bob bob Bobbits keep bob bob bobbing along. And, and uh, Mrs. Uh, Lorena, is that her name? Lorena. Lorena Bobbitt. Uh, actually, and the funny thing is, if you saw the testimony, she comes from a, a strictly religious family where no permissive behavior was allowed at all. In fact, they were told if they ever even saw a sexual organ, well... <laughs> Anyway, she said Bobbitt was her knight in shining armor, and she sure found the chink. <laughs> she has a lot of support, though, actually, around the nation, as I'm sure aware of. Uh, I suppose if a man went out and broke his wife's MasterCard in half, the same reaction would occur. <laughs> Why are you hissing? I mean, the guy lost a very important thing to him. I'm talking about a MasterCard. And you're defensive about it. I can't understand that. They can replace MasterCards, you know. And, of course, uh, J.W., I don't know if you saw him, he's like Howard Stern's whipping boy now for a living. You see that? He was on the Howard Stern extravaganza. J.W. Bobbitt, John Wayne Bobbitt. The New Year's Eve. Yeah, the pay-per-view and thing. And you can't really blame the guy for trying to work because there isn't a lot of harem work these days. And it's... it's uh, 
But you know, you got the real victim in this is, is President Clinton. Now here he goes to Europe, he gets all the missiles removed from the Ukraine, right? And all the headlines are the Bobbits back home. If he would have got Bobbit's organ removed from the Ukraine, it would have made world headlines, but that's... I can't bring myself to say penis. I don't know nope. why. I never... <laughs> the local news anchors are saying it now, and I still can't. For some reason, it's... I don't know. It's... Too close to your heart. <laughs> can't top that, so we'll go on here. Another news. <laughs> Saying a special prosecutor doesn't go far enough, Bob Dole calls for construction of a dunking stool on the Potomac. <laughs> the lighting of the Olympic torch uh, was marred when the torchbearer was attacked from behind and the torch held to his feet. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, very unfortunate attack. Uh, Tonya Harding is being questioned. <laughs> Figure skating has announced a new holiday extravaganza, Homicide on Ice, so watch for that this fall. And the search for the special prosecutor in the Whitewater case is on. They need someone who's well-versed in law, banking, and political influence peddling. All indications are the inside track goes to Hillary Clinton, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> That's all the news that isn't, and thank you very much. <laughs> and what a couple of weeks it's been in the news, isn't it? When you think about it. When all this settles out, you'll be able to kill your parents or surgically alter your spouse. Kneecap the opposition. This is the age of Aquarius, ladies and gentlemen, that we've all been waiting for. Of course, the Hubble is working again, too. That's the other thing I didn't mention. It actually can see into the second week of creation. I mean, all the way back, you know, towards the, they got the second, the eighth day of creation, the Hubble can actually see it there. That's when God first began to have his regrets. I was, woke up the next morning and said, oh, myself? So, you know, there's, there is the book, The Way Things Work. How many of you purchased that book for a hefty $14.95? Oh, yeah. And it's a very interesting book, and it ex explains how things work. Well, that's not good enough because uh, Henry Beard and Ron Barrett came out with a, a, a kind of a parody of the book, I guess you'd say, The Way Things Really Work. And this is uh, why things actually are designed to frustrate you and, and, to, uh, and to break in, in general. And uh, the author of the book is uh, on the line with us from Carmel, California, of all places, Henry Beard. And would you welcome him, please? The way things really work. Henry Beard. Henry, how are you this morning? I'm fine, thank you. It's nice to see you. You know, when I see pictures of you, you always look like such a serious individual. I mean, there, there is, you are bearded. Not coincidentally, I guess, but and you seem like, is, are you, uh, do people tell you that, that you look serious? Yeah, they do. I, I just... People don't realize how serious a business uh, humor and comedy really is. Yes. It's a very, very grim undertaking. It, on this show, that's obvious, I would say. <laughs> There's no humor involved in it at all, actually. But uh, was there a breakthrough for you in your life when the, when the humor from you emerged? Were you a, a pent-up youth? No, no, not really. No, I don't know where it comes from, really. Yeah. yeah. Better not to ask, I think. Yeah. And, you, of course, the, the Mrs. Piggy's, uh, or Miss Piggy's, uh, book was, was your doing? Yeah, I was, the Piggy and I were once very close. Yeah, I did Miss Piggy's Guide to Life. Ghost wrote it with her. Mm -hmm, that's right. And French for Cats was another one. Yes, French for Cats. Um, most people don't realize it, but uh, cats really do need and can use French. Yeah. Uh, typically, what, what might a cat need to say in French? 
Um, je veux manger immédiatement. I want to eat right now. <laughs> when put French is a little more delicate. All right, that's like all a, all a French or cat will ever need. Absolutely. Now, the way things really work, what was the inspiration for that? Well, I think that, uh, like a lot of people, uh, we tend to realize that things that we think of as just happening to ourselves, the elevator door is closed in your face just as you come up. Uh, you go on a plane to Chicago and your luggage goes to Paraguay. Uh, these things are, in fact, happening to almost everybody almost all the time. Mm-hmm. So the only possible explanation is that they're not accidents, they're not flukes, they're actually things that have been designed to happen, systems that are really working just the way they were set out to work, very well indeed. So is this a conspiracy theory? Well, you could say that. I hate to, I hate to climb aboard a conspiracy theory, but yeah, you could say that because uh, in a lot of cases, it, you, could, you can understand the logic of it. For example, plastic wrap, uh, after you get about an eighth of the way through the roll, it separates along an invisible seam, making it impossible to get any more wrap off the roll. Now, I would make a case, I won't make the case, one could make a case that the manufacturers of plastic wrap sell approximately eight times more plastic wrap than they would because of that little design. Well, not flaw, but that little design piece of genius. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, that roll could last you, it could be an heirloom, basically. Could Actually, pass- uh, we've done some studies that suggest that one roll would last almost a lifetime. Yeah. You could be wrapped in it at the end. Absolutely. Like a, a winding, a clear winding sheet. That would kind of a nice idea. Now, for example, uh, there's one section here. Why Chinese food is the same everywhere? Well, this just could, you know, studies confirm what I think a lot of us have, have really thought, that there really are only two or three Chinese kitchens in America linked by high-pressure hydraulic tubes to the Chinese restaurants around the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, I defy anybody to tell the difference between sweet and sour pork ordered in New York City from sweet and sour pork <laughs> in China and Wyoming. And that's the reason why they are able to get it to the table pretty fresh, again, because of the extremely high pressure and high velocity of the material flowing through the pipe. All right, so there's a, there is a pipeline from a central Chinese uh, kitchen. Yeah, it's like, the, it's like the information superhighway, but half an hour later, you know. <laughs> You're hungry for more information. More information. Yeah, okay. Uh, and... And some of the things are like little quirky things that we assume just happen to us, as you say, like the toast always landing jelly side down. Yeah, well, this, uh, we, we actually did the study on this, and uh, we were able to identify and, and specify the fairly complex aerodynamic factors which cause this. Mm-hmm. And they're really pretty straightforward. They have to do with the effect of lift on a, on a twisting toasted body and uh, <laughs> how a jelly mass tends to slightly deform the atmospheric currents uh, as the toast twists and turns. The bottom line is, about 99% of the time, it will land jelly side down. <laughs> and actually, there's a 12-point uh, process. It's fairly complex, really. Yeah, it's amazingly complex for something so simple. Yeah. Was this was a study done in a wind tunnel or something like that? Well, I, at, 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 at a highly respected laboratory whose name we are not at liberty to mention. <laughs> um, instructions for VCRs. Uh, they're, not, they're usually unintelligible, and you're saying this is no accident. Yeah, it, it, it's, if you think about it, it's extremely difficult to come up with a series of instructions for any product, no matter how simple, in what appears to be English, but an English that conveys absolutely no information, and in some cases manages to confuse beyond what a foreign language would do. So we discovered that what really happens at its simplest is the instructions are written in English by non-English speakers, usually in Malaysia. They're then transmitted over a pay telephone in a railroad station in Denmark to a Danish speaker who then repeats them 
phonetically to an English speaker in Chicago, at which point you get phrases like, please not to be putting, plugging, inside, upside down for fear of sparking. <laughs> okay, well, that makes sense, actually. That, that does. But they work hard at it. I think they should be complimented. Yeah, I think so. It's the Danish connection there is the important thing. Yes. Yeah. The thing about elevator doors closing in your face, a lot of us think it's just a, it's bad timing, but it's not. No, it's not. In fact, uh, it's, it's just uh, a very simple device. Uh, most people know that elevators have an electric eye, uh, which interrupts you know, a light beam, so as you approach the elevator, the doors won't actually cut you in half. But people don't know that elevators also have an electric ear. And this uh, electronic device is able to perceive the sounds of somebody's footsteps hurrying along a corridor. And when they get within three meters, in most cases, the doors are immediately closed. Mm. That's interesting. And in some cases, there's also that pressure-sensitive mat. There is a pressure pad in some places yeah. where you have carpeting that would tend to muffle the sounds of the shoes. We get, there's a pressure pad a few feet out, and as soon as you touch the pressure pad, the elevator doors, if open, will close. Yeah. And there is a special hydraulic piston that can close the door immediately, right? Immediately, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Just pull it right shut. Now, I notice you delve into some things that are, that are a little bit more uh, complex, so like remembering a name. Why can't you remember anybody's name, and people think it's just forgetfulness, but there is, there's a very interesting process that's involved. Yeah, it's quite complicated. Really, it goes back to evolution, to where we came from. The fundamental reaction that human beings have on encountering another human being is the one that animals have when they encounter another animal. It's called the flight or fight syndrome. You either run like hell because the thing is big, or kick the heck out of it because it's small. Now, this is somewhat suppressed in uh, human beings, we're higher animals, but it triggers itself regardless of what we try to do. So when we see somebody and somebody says, hello, my name is Bill, really our brain is not processing that information. We're just trying to decide whether to punch the guy in the nose or whatever. <laughs> so by the time you re-encounter somebody, the information that really is at your fingertips is things like, he has no claws, <laughs> he weighs less than a ton, uh, his teeth don't seem to be terribly long. Um, he probably doesn't have a poison tail <laughs> while you're trying to remember that his name is Bill. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, you're just not going to get there. Fortunately, he isn't either. So you both can say, hi, how are you? And he says, oh, very well, how are you? And this all goes on in the forebrain? This all goes on in the so-called forebrain at, at an extraordinary speed. Mm -hmm. It's amazing how quickly you can fail to remember somebody's name. Yeah. <laughs> Is there a mnemonics uh, device? Have you come across some uh, that helps you to remember the, a name? Well, they are, but then you just remember the device. Like you say to yourself, uh, I'm going to remember Bill's name. Bill, he has big hair like Bill Clinton. At which point you re-encounter him, you say, hi, hair, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> so it leads to unintended results. Yeah, it just doesn't work. Yeah, there's no way. I, no, no. Okay. Um, Here's one that, uh, that definitely bothers me. Uh, showers in hotels. The fact you can either, you'll freeze yourself or you'll scald yourself, and you can never correct it without doing it worse. Well, this is something that always baffled us. And again, we had to come to the reluctant conclusion that it was deliberate. There are, by our count, 41 separate designs for um, operating the shower, bath shower attachment used in hotels in North America. They range from a device quite similar to the control stick on a nuclear submarine, to uh, a valve-like contraption that appears to be part of a space station airlock. <laughs> None of them operates on a principle remotely similar to any other. So once you've mastered one and you go to another hotel, <laughs> when you push, pull, turn, twist, or otherwise operate the valve, you're almost certain to scald or freeze yourself. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, it's a result of careful testing by the manufacturers of plumbing fixtures who actually used uh, willing prison inmates to try to devise systems that were both completely counterintuitive when first seen and uh, incapable of sensible operation. Yeah. They succeeded beyond their wildest dreams. Yeah. Is it possible in some cases the, the valve does nothing at all and the, the, uh, the temperature is simply preordained? Yes, I, I, there's no question about that. A preset temperature just slightly too cold or really rather too hot and a couple of switches, dials, and, and, and pulleys that, that really have no effect at all. Maybe turn the lights on in the bathroom or flush the toilet. Yeah, okay. And the, I wonder about the mirrors in hotel rooms, too. I know it's not in the book, but why do they put so many mirrors in hotel rooms? Who wants to see that? Well, I, one can only speculate that perhaps the mirrors are there for some other purpose than, uh, than to reflect your image. I mean, I hate to be a paranoid here, but you're right. What yes. are all those mirrors doing? I have no idea. Mm. I'm, I'm usually there alone, so it doesn't do me any good. <laughs> The other thing I found startling was the Zamboni machine. I had never thought about how a Zamboni actually works, and it's revealed here in how things really work. What, what's the principle behind the Zamboni machine? Well, basically, in the area under the machine, there's room for three or four cleaning ladies with mops, brushes, and tails. <laughs> uh, if you think about it, I mean, there's just no way under that area there that at any reasonable cost you could have some device that does what those things do. But nobody wants to admit that this is not a perfectly technological age, and there's all kinds of, you know, union uh, issues, so yeah. that's the answer. Yeah, In plus. fact, these people are called, well, originally with the Zamboni family, I think it's really spread out since they first started doing this work. Yeah, so Rosa Zamboni, Maria, right. and Sophia Zamboni and were the Zamboni. three original. They were the original. Three original Zambonis. And uh, I don't want to do the whole book here, but I find this is also amusing. And uh, the thing that's always perplexed me is reading a wine label. Like, if you want to buy a good bottle of French wine, there's the rack. There's 400 things to choose from. How can you tell by looking at a, at a wine label what you're getting? Well, the... the we were not surprised to discover that the French um, have a secret code that only other French people know to let them know whether a wine is, uh, is worth the price or is just uh, basically battery acid. Simply put, uh, wine labels have a picture of a chateau uh, on them, and you count the number of windows in the chateau. If it's an even number of windows, it's a good year. If it's an odd number, it's a rotten year. Even or odd. Okay. Even or odd. That's the fenestration method. That's called fenestration, yeah. Then uh, on labels that don't have a little chateau, you, you look for the, for the year of the vintage is put on the label. Now, if the year is above the center of the label, the wine is lousy. And the way to remember that is, remember, year on top, wine is slop. <laughs> <laughs> then the actual shape of the label itself uh, helps you out here. If it's sort of rectangular, more horizontal and vertical, that's good wine for consumption in France. Mm -hmm. A very vertical uh, label is wine for export and cooking. And a label that has the four corners cut off to make a slightly diamond shape. That's wine for gifts and for serving at large parties. I see. That's wine you give away or, yeah. or serve to people. And then the final thing is called metrication. Uh, there's two ways they show the contents of the uh, label. It's either 75 centiliters mm -hmm. or 750 milliliters. They both add up to the same thing. But the memory aid is centiliter, CL, can't last. means the wine is just not going to last long at all. And ML might last. So that gives you a little bit of a break. All right, Henry, one more here, and this is something that's perplexed uh, everyone since time immemorial, I think, is why it always rains on weekends. We assume this is just a subjective judgment, but it, it actually always does. And why is that? Well, we did a study, and it's very depressing. I mean, basically, uh, weeks make it rain. Um, the Earth is shaped so that, uh, in the Northern Hemisphere at least, the weather systems are almost exactly seven days apart. They tend to stay in the same place. And factories producing hot air and smoke tend to concentrate the operation of the storms in the same direction at the same velocity. Velocity. Now, we've found Neolithic inscriptions from 30,000 years ago that make it clear that it was raining on weekends as long ago as that. 
And these basic weather systems, once established, are just about immutable. So the chance of it not raining on weekends is, is very slim. I mean, Europe is exactly a week away. Uh, Japan is two weeks from Europe, two weeks from Japan. These storms just go around and around year after year, weekend after weekend. Mm -hmm. It's tragic, but there it is. Yeah. We could change by going to a nine-day week. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's more in the book. You really, it's, it's a very funny book, Henry. And uh, we, we should mention, of course, uh, Ron Barrett, who did the drawings. Is that true? Yes, a very talented artist. Yeah. The drawings at the Gabriel. Very yeah. funny. Yeah, no, they're hilarious, actually. What's, what's next on the drawing board for you? Well, um... I'm at work now on, uh, we, we have done a, uh, we did a parody golf videotape, instructional videotape with Leslie Nielsen called Bad Golf Made Easier, and we're about to do a sequel to that. And uh, I'm also working now as an editor, collecting the great cat poetry of all time, poetry by cats. Uh, that will be coming out in the fall for cat and poetry lovers. Yeah. Any danger of running out of ideas, Henry? Uh, every time it seems likely, something else comes along. Um, <laughs> as I heard in your monologue, well, there's just developments every day. <laughs> <laughs> Yours are funnier, though, I must say. Henry, <laughs> it's been a pleasure. Henry Beard, author of The Way Things Really Work. And why they frustrate How they actually happen. There's some great stuff in there we didn't get a chance to get to, like why you never win the state lottery. But I'll let you read the book there uh, to get the answer to that. John, how are you doing this morning? I'm just doing great. Yeah, did you, after I've warmed up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, did you drive up from Chicago this morning? Or no, no, no. I drove last night, I, yeah. but I barely got my car started this morning, but it finally did. Yeah. Well, as I mentioned, Jim Packer will be jump-starting all the vehicles <laughs> in the audience. Right. So we'll be here after the show. If you have a problem with your vehicle starting, just come back in here. He's got the cables. He's got cables. Big ones, too. Big he, cables. Yes, he does. And uh, <laughs> Jeff, how are you? He's yeah. good. Must be pretty cold up there in uh, Bayfield, I imagine. Was he, were you up there? Oh, how, how cold is it? It's so cold, Michael, that... Okay, I, I guess really say that, that pretty much says it all. Your head is bobbing a little slower than usual, so that must be the icing factor. What's this number going to be, John? This is uh, about a place that's a lot warmer than here. It's called A Night in Tunisia. All right, perfect.
You're listening to What Do You Know on APR, American Public Radio. All right, that was a night in Tunisia. This is not, but... Uh, it's a day in hell. Yeah. What's it going up to? About 10 below today, I think? Yeah. With the wind chills, of course. It gets down there. And uh, we got people here. Actually, we should, I think, say hello to the people from Louisville who camped overnight. Now, you were in a parking lot, the VFW. Is that what it was? Uh, in an RV, yes. Yeah. It was a VFW parking lot? Uh, the, oh, the Elks Club. Okay. How'd you end up there? Um, well, we drove around the city for... About an hour. We actually picked up a guy in a bar and asked him for directions, but he wasn't. All right. Who is the guy that got picked up in the bar here? He's not, he's not here today. You left him in the parking lot? <laughs> Once we got the information, yeah, we just dropped him off. So. Well, that's why Current Affair is here today, because they found him. They found him frozen with his pockets turned inside out in the, in the parking lot of the Elks Club. Was the Elks Club? Yes. And uh, what's your name? My name is Allison Kroll. Allison, and what do you do in Louisville? I'm a graduate student in expressive therapies. Expressive therapies, does that account for why this van came up here, this, this RV? What, is, what brought you all here? We wanted to come see the show. Yeah. What are expressive therapies? Uh, it's a type of counseling, and you use art and drawing. Oh, to get people to express what they're feeling. Exactly. Yes. Okay, <laughs> see, I'm not as stupid as Ella. <laughs> and let's see who else we got here from Louisville. This is Steve Deckel. Steve, when they talked into this trip, did you think it was going to be minus 80? Uh, no. At the time, it sounded like a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a lot of fun. How did you guys stay warm in the RV, though? Was there a heat source in there? Oh, there was a heat source, but that's a trick question. We didn't stay warm. It was uh, it got kind of cold. Yeah. Why didn't you call? I wish you would have called. We didn't have your number. We want to stay there tonight, though. Is that okay? <laughs> and let's go on to the next. Uh, you are... Amy Gant. Amy, is this fun so far, or what? Well... Yeah, the write-up was really fun, but uh, sleeping last night was kind of cold. Yeah. What, what is the heat source that we've heard so much about? A can of Sterno or something? What Him, actually. <laughs> wow. If it gets cold enough, you actually eat this gentleman here? Are you prepared to go that far to survive? We have to do what we have to do. And, yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Are you in expressive therapy, too? No, I'm a social worker and also a, a student studying special ed. Okay. And what are you? I design exhibits. There's no thread here. I'm trying to figure out what draws these people. What, how do you guys know each other? Um, we're just all friends from Louisville. We, uh, yeah. We've been friends for a long time. So. Not that you need a reason, but I'm just a little perplexed. As to, and you are? Uh, Patrick Fitzgerald. Also known as the heat source. <laughs> you just need a source of ignition, and I'll provide the rest, I guess. So what do you do? Are you just kind of keep moving to generate heat? Or? I emulate heat. It's just part of what I do. Emulated. Yeah, emulate. When you're not emulating heat, what are you doing? Uh, well, I'm. What's your vocation? A chemical engineering student and rock and roll bass player. So. All right. Good combination. <laughs> right. Yes. Nice to have you here. And you are. Katie Leeson. Katie, and how was your night last night? Um, it was cold. It was. It was pretty cold. I had a. I have a cold, and I got up about three in the morning to get some Afrin, and it had frozen solid. So. <laughs> Was there anything to prevent you from getting, like, one room at the Motel 6? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, we rented this RV so we could avoid that, but we may have to break down. Yeah, but it was minus 80 with the windshield. <laughs> You're in the parking lot of the Elks Club. I'm, and you people are lucky to be alive. I mean, a Motel 6, what is it? 20 bucks, right? What, it's got to be $20. 
Well, yeah, I mean, we might be able to, to pull that together tonight. <laughs> Jim, give him $20, will you? A lot of petty cash. That'd be worth it just to see you do that. All right, nice to have you. And you are from Louisville as well? Uh-huh. Drew Case. Drew, what do you do down there? I'm a student and a graphic artist. Okay, and over here we got, I'm going to fall on somebody here. Right I guess I'm the guy who's responsible for all this. Oh, yeah. uh, the mastermind of this. <laughs> I sent away for tickets like uh, two months ago. Yeah. And uh, you're coming to Louisville in March, yeah. which would be... A little easier, maybe. Short, shorter RV trip, I'm sure, for us. Yeah. yeah. The tickets were free, so you thought you had to be here no matter what, right? Sure, yeah, yeah. Actually, we, we sent away for 10, but only eight of us survived, so... <laughs> so you have two leftover tickets? We had to eat the other two, made for TV or what? This is why the cameras are here today, because of this startling... Yes. We got a little present for you. Thank you. And for the band and for... Oh, well, these what's are, that? These are, uh, what do they call these things? They keep drinks Beer cool. huggers. Beer huggers. <laughs> celebrating the trip with what do you know on there in Louisville, Madison, and back. Hopefully, trip. Although they're being optimistic, I would say, this point. Cross that out. This is for the whole crew here? Okay, I'll let you distribute them because I don't really speak to the crew. And you, are you with Louisville Trip? Yes, I'm John Cooksey. I need to, I need to say my name so I can validate not being in the office today. <laughs> so this is leave for you or what? Uh, no, I really should be there, but... Uh... What is the office? Oh, I'm an architect intern. Well, the buildings will stand anyhow, right? If you build them? Yeah, pretty much. If you build them right, they should stand. Yeah. Let's hear it for Louisville and the RV Wanderers. Thanks for the drink, Tucker. Yeah, you can distribute those if you like. Here's a gentleman with lobotomies for Republicans. It's the law on his T-shirt. I'm sure you're curious about it. Let's show everybody your T-shirt here because not everyone can see that from where they are. Very nice. And uh, what's the origin of that sentiment? Well, uh, actually... Uh at first, I thought it would be a joke, but uh, some folks weren't laughing when they saw it. But uh, I thought today's audience might uh, enjoy this shirt, and uh, you might as well. Does that express your political sentiments? Well, yes, it does. <laughs> I was told, though, that uh, really the sentiment should be it's a prerequisite rather than... Uh... If, you, if you lobotomize a Republican, you're saying that makes him a Democrat. I didn't say that, you did. Or an independent, possibly. Okay, well, it's, it's a good theory, and we should really try it one of these days. And I appreciate it. What, what is your name, sir? Roger Crimmins. Uh, Crimmins. And uh, Roger, what do you do uh, in a way uh, for work? Well, I'm a development director for a community theater in Waterloo, Iowa, and I work for uh, Iowa Public Television. Are you sure it's more interesting than you are? So that's, there's no point talking about that. No, just you're a fascinating guy. Love having you here. Are you with uh, Roger here? Yes. A little embarrassed by his shirt? <laughs> A little bit. No, not really. <laughs> which, which way do you tend to vote? Democrat. Oh, okay. I guess you would have to, really, a lot of pressure. Yeah, right. <laughs> What's your name? Mary Crimmins. Mary. Oh, then you are his wife. Okay. Yes. <laughs> because I have seen him here in other circumstances. <laughs> but you're, you're the wife. Uh, yes. She doesn't always acknowledge. Okay, Mary, nice to have you here. And uh, let's see, we've got some cards here, some interesting questions from some fascinating people. Uh, you look different, younger like you lost weight, what's your secret? Jane yeah, England me. wants to know. What? No, it's for me. Oh, it's for you. Oh, is it? Where is Jane? Is it for me or for John? Where is Jane England? Yes. You mean me or John? Uh, both of 
Oh, okay. Oh. My secret is to wear a sweater. See, it's under there. Oh. That's Jim's secret, too, actually, if you must. All right. Uh, Judy Young wants to know, is there life beyond Earth? She's from Cedarburg. Actually, there is, uh, Judy. It looks it's like a giant Cedarburg out there. Yes, there is life beyond Earth, and we've proven that, I think. It's surprising that there's life in this part of the Earth, don't you think? Yeah. Always wanted to be on the radio, have you? <laughs> I didn't plan on this, no. no. You didn't think this question would qualify, did you? No, I didn't. Do you actually care about extraterrestrial life? No, it's just something I always wanted to know. In Cedarburg, are there people in Cedarburg who, who seem to be aliens to you, or space aliens? Well, I've not come across any yet. No. Okay, fine. <laughs> you got quite a stare on you, really. That's a, I'm just about out of here. Yes. Uh, uh, Judy, what do you do in Cedarburg? I'm a housekeeper nanny. Housekeeper nanny. And uh, how many kids do you watch? Two. And it's just uh, like a full-time thing? Yes, it is. Is it a live-in thing? No, I do not live there. Oh. That's too bad, because a current affair heard that you did. and we... There's a little background on the story. You should know, ladies and gentlemen. This woman is not a nanny. She has a criminal record. No, she... Uh, how does that work out? Pretty good? I have a lot of free time on my hands, actually. Well, you want to do something? Because I... And, and is, do you, if, is this in the future? Would you think about having children of your own as a result of this experience? Or does it pretty much cure you of that desire? Actually, that is why I became a housekeeper nanny, to find out if children was something I wanted to have of my own. And your conclusion is? I am not going to have children. <laughs> That's very smart of you. I, gotta give you. I give you a lot of credit for that, because I can't really walk away from my household without a, you know, with that same conclusion, although I do practically every morning. So. All right, well, thanks. Very nice to meet you. Why do your nose hairs hurt when it's so cold? I'd, where is Jeffrey Bard? Jeffrey, anyone here ever experienced that? Your nose hairs hurting in the cold? Yeah. Wow. You know, I don't relate to this at all, but this woman up here has the same problem. She does. She has the same problem. Excuse me if I just lean over you for a second. Your nose hairs hurt when it's cold? Well, they get kind of cold and frosty and curl up a little bit. Maybe it's the cold air coming and I don't know. They do. Have you thought of trimming them back a bit? in the back of a magazine this little thing you can buy that, that little round rotary thing that will I did <laughs> well what do you think they don't show I mean you must uh, a little nair may be applied to the inside of each but is it a, a painful experience then? only in this weather well sir there you have it someone else who relates to your problem where is that gentleman with the nose hair problem let me have a look at yours a second let's see Nothing we won't do for a laugh on this show, and, still, and it still doesn't work. No, you're fine, I think. Good, thank you. What's your name? Jeff Bard. I know that, because I got your card right here. And Jeff, any other cold weather problems uh, we can help you with? Uh, toes get a little bit cold, can't feel them after a little bit, but the uh, nose hair scissor helps with that also. How does it help with your toes? Trim the uh, nail right off, and pretty soon it doesn't matter. Okay. There you have it. Yeah, this was a mistake. I knew it from the beginning. I had the feeling this morning. Why a personal trainer we have here? Teresa Rosenquist. This is something I need. Where is Teresa? Hi, Teresa. Can I get you to come down here? Because I can't get through to you. It's going to be impossible. Yeah, 
Was that your husband there with the equally uh, dynamic sweater? <laughs> yes. You guys should not sit next to each other. <laughs> we talked about that before yeah. we came. We shouldn't match because we'll be accused of being matchy. We don't match. You don't match. You conflict. <laughs> no, this is not. Would you say this is matching, these two? Let's stand over here if you would. Stand up if you would. Now, what do you think? Yeah. Well, let's get single-handedly bring back the 60s, I think, the two of you do. And who bought the sweaters? Uh, my parents. So you have to wear them pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> now we're on current affair, they'll get to see them next week. And is there, after a while, can you stop wearing these sweaters? How long do you feel you have to wear them? Gosh, the obligatory, what is it? How long do we have to wear? Six months, and up here, what, seven, eight months? Right into the summer, you'll be wearing these sweaters. There is no summer. Jim's been wearing his Christmas sweater for the past ten years. <laughs> but that's just the way his in-laws work. It's kind of it's a little tougher thing there. So you're Teresa, and you're a personal trainer? Yes. And what does that involve, Teresa? That uh, means... You can sit down, sir. <laughs> um, it's your wife I care about. Helping people get started on an exercise program and sticking with it. And... A regimen of some sort? Yes. And so is that designed for the individual? Yes. Each individual. Do you look at the person physically and see what they need? Well, I talk to the person and ask them what, what are they interested in doing. Do you want to lose weight? Do you want to yeah. just get in shape? Do you want to run a marathon? What do you want to do? Yeah. For someone like me, what sort of regimen would you recommend? Well, what do you want to do? <laughs> uh, nothing, basically, but I do want a personal trainer. Do you do, like, massage therapy, that sort of thing? No, no, just, just exercise and nutrition. Okay, I guess it wouldn't work out for me then. <laughs> Kind of curious as to what that entailed. Thank you very much. <laughs> Teresa Rosenquist, personal trainer. Everybody else has it. Here's another sweater. Why don't you sit next to them, really? We'll just... <laughs> Unbelievable. Where'd you get that one? Oh, that was a present from one of my kids. Yeah. Okay. And getting even for something. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? It was the old upbringing thing or what? Undoubtedly, yeah. you know. They got caught doing the same things I used to do when I was their age. <laughs> yeah. But this time it was on a current affair, right? And I, and, I, and I think probably a good percentage of them are probably listening today, so I'm getting back at them in another way. <laughs> a good percentage of your offspring? Yeah, they can't hit me this way. <laughs> How many offspring do you have, sir? Ten. Is that right? Well. And their names are? Uh, Jean, Jeannie, Johnny, Judy, Jackie, Janet... Jojo, Jerry, Jill, Jennifer, and Julie. So at any point did you ever consider going on to the case? Well, we couldn't because the, the first one had a coaster wagon and I just simply put Jay Hoppy on it and I didn't want to repaint the coaster wagon. But that, that used to get to be a neighborhood challenge, uh, running through the names of the Hoppy Kids. And uh, that happens if you go through the names, you can't remember them, I'm yeah. sure. But there's nine girls and one boy. Yeah. Across the street, there was a family with nine boys and one girl. <laughs> so they occupied themselves at the school bus stop. That was a challenge to see who could run through the names of these two families the fastest. <laughs> Were they a single-letter family, too? Uh, no. No, they, they, they didn't have any ingenuity. <laughs> and how, how did you decide on the J? Was there some uh, reason for the J? Well, yeah, the coaster wagon was painted J. <laughs> mm, 
we, we, we just gave up after a while because we, we realized that all these children were coming from the tap water. And, and, and so we moved. And, and you're drinking the bottled water now, is that? Well, after about uh, three years in the new house, there was another one came, then we switched to bottled water. <laughs> finally narrowed it down, the source of that, huh? Yeah, we, we finally found out. You are Walt. I'm Walt Happy. Yeah. Are any of the kids here with you today? No, no. I, although I was going to ask you for about 40 tickets and bring them all. Yeah. That would be including the grandchildren that can walk. But, um, and the grand grandkids, how many of those do you have right now? Uh, I've lost count. 29, 28, okay. 20. And their names would be? Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> this, this show's over at noon, and I can't remember them that quick. Walt, nice to have you here. Walt Hoppy from Stone Bank, Wisconsin. All right, we're going to play the What Do You Know quiz. Here's a chance for you to win fabulous prizes. You see some of them arrayed uh, on the stage in front of you. Uh, Jim is not included. Battery's extra. Before we can play the quiz, we have to know who can and cannot participate in it. And reading the four disclaimers today is... Joe Belante. Joe, if you would, please. All questions used on what do you know have been painstakingly researched, although the answers have not. Ambiguous, misleading, or poorly worded questions are par for the course. Listeners who are sticklers for the truth should get their own shows. So is he your husband or uh, isn't he? No. <laughs> yeah, right, right to number three. Persons employed by American Public Radio or its affiliates are lucky to be working at all, let alone tying up the office phones trying to play the quiz. Listeners who have won recently should sit on their hands and let someone else have a chance for a change. All opinions expressed on what do you know are well-reasoned and insightful. Needless to say, they are not those of American Public Radio, its member stations, or lackeys. Anyone who says otherwise is itching for a fight. Oh, God. Yeah. not a sports announcer, are you? No, I'm a producer. Yeah. I like that. Very dynamic. Thank you. All right, we're going to look for someone now to play the What Do You Know quiz. You can actually physically raise your hand for this only. Otherwise, we encourage you to make all the noise that you can during the show. Let's uh, see those hands in the air. This is always a tough pick. I have to go pretty much on karma. And uh, this, oh, this is very difficult. You know, generally speaking, people who stand up and wave their arms at me, I tend to ignore because generally they want something from you, but... Uh, the quiz a few years ago, see, on the phone, and we have this lifelong rivalry. Yeah. So I think it's probably only fair that I. Why don't I'm you a... just kneecap her? <gasps> my my bodyguard's on vacation this week, oh. so. Yeah, your name is Debbie Waldman. Debbie, and you're from? I'm from well now I'm from Edmonton, Alberta. Okay. Yeah. Where it's balmy compared to here. <laughs> uh, that jet stream is a weird thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Well, the cold air left Canada with us. Actually, we brought it with us. All right. Give me one good reason why you should play this quiz. So that I can get back at my sister. Sibling rivalry. Is there a better reason in the world? Come on up there. Yes. That's okay. Don't worry about it. Your sweater qualifies for this quiz. Too, right, right, so right up there. If you would just stand up there, watch out for this court. Yeah, no, just have a seat there. So can I cheat? I don't see how, really. <laughs> if you can find a way to do it. Uh, Maybe those people in the front row can help you. I don't think they could help you, no, no. Can I you get other people in the front row who can? Can we just do this okay. and then we'll just do it? 
I'm, you know, that's not in advance. Okay, okay, I mean, okay. People try to be very helpful. Usually they're wrong, though. Oh, okay. So I would, I would but then I can blame it on them. Never mind. Okay, you're worried about blame already. Have you? <laughs> now, uh, your full name? Debbie Waldman. Debbie Waldman? It's Debbie with a Y. You have to get that. Okay. Social security number? You really want that? Yeah. Do they, do they have them up there in Canada? Yes, but I have a U.S. one and a Canadian one. I can be both, please. But I don't know the Canadian one. It's 069-44-8578. These regulations are getting ridiculous. We have to take <laughs> Do Sorry. you want my Canadian health card number, too? Yes, if you have my it. My national please. health card. <laughs> Okay. John in particular would like that because he wants the Canadian health plan. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Debbie, are you married? I am, to that Canadian guy up there. Oh, okay. Did, did you Did you marry him for the health plan? Yeah, actually, I did. Because I'm a freelance writer, so I'm self-employed. Yeah. So I can't get health insurance because I have a regular job. So. Uh. So I figured if I moved to Canada, I'd get free health insurance. So just the first guy you saw? Or yeah, first Canadian guy I met, and I snagged him. Yeah. And it's been great because I gotten sick a lot this year, uh. tore a ligament and everything. And really. Didn't haven't paid a penny. Sorry, yeah. I can say that. <laughs> so it's kind of cradle to grave up there. Yeah, yeah. And the marriage part of it. Is it's it... working out okay. Yeah, we've yeah. been married for a little more than a year, and we're still married. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's twelve good, months, though. isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's fifteen, but anyway. Yeah. Is yeah. he as big a romantic as you are about the whole thing? Or um, he proposed over the phone. He did. Yeah, it was very romantic. How did how did that happen? He called me up and um, he said, "Hang up the phone and let the answering machine answer when I call back." Mm -hmm because he wanted to get it all on the answering machine. Yeah. So I let the answering machine answer. But you started to you know, recite the proposal, and I picked the phone up, and uh, then the answering machine went off. So yeah. actually, there's no record that he ever proposed to me. All right. But so I do have a wedding ring. All right, so we have to take your word for it that you are married. I am married. Basically. Yeah. Okay. Uh, good, wonderful. Two romantics. It's yeah. rare that you meet two people like that. What, what, is, what does he do? He gave me a computer for an engagement ring. Isn't that nice? That's kinda, I wanted tires, kinda actually. Kind of heavy, isn't it? But yeah. You just kind of yeah. strap it on there, or what? Yeah. The oh. No, it's a, it's a laptop. It's a portable computer. It weighs a little more than an engagement ring, but I think it costs less. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Well, not the one Jim got. No. No. You, you got to compare mind. different engagement uh, rings. He's yeah. got a nice zircon he gave Deb. Oh, sorry. <laughs> to this, to this day, she doesn't know it's a zircon. That's amazing. <laughs> Thank God. She, she does doesn't. now. No, she doesn't. <laughs> she doesn't listen. She doesn't listen. Oh, okay. We already right. determined that. Anyway. Previous. All right, Debbie. Thanks uh, very much for joining us. Just speak up if anything's speak on your up. mind during the quiz. We believe in expressive uh, philosophies here, so it's Good. very important to do that. We have to ask a qualifying question to someone else, so don't we, Jim? We do. And what's that number? That number would be 1-800-WHA-KNOW. Let's give us a call here at that number. Here is the quote uh, from the news, which is, God, Daddy, we wish that were a suitcase. Part of a eulogy at a recent funeral. We want to know what funeral was that. God, Daddy, we wish that were a suitcase. If you know what funeral that was spoken at by one of the... <laughs> By one of the mourners, give us a call here, 1-800-WHA-KNOW. God, Daddy, we wish that were a suitcase. If you know, give us a call here. Let's answer the phone right now. Here's uh, in, uh, in Maine, Anson, Maine. Hi, Curtis. How are you? Oh, fine. Uh, nice to, to speak with you. Has it cold up there? Oh, well, yeah, extremely. Yeah, like how? Well, we had uh, quite a bit of snow yesterday. And, yeah. Uh, it's not snowing now. It's actually pretty nice out there. Oh, it sounds balmy from here, Curtis. Here's the question. God, Daddy, we wish that were a suitcase that was spoken at a recent funeral. Who was being eulogized? Oh, jeez. Um, Any idea? I really have no idea. Should I just take a stab take at a, it? Just name a dead person. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, it sounds to me like it would be someone... I have no idea. Um, okay. Uh, 
We're going to have to let you go then, Curtis. Yeah, I guess so. Okay. okay. All right, thanks for trying. Bye. Right. Bye. Okay. Try and have the answer in mind if you are calling up. <laughs> because, uh, let's go to Woodstock, uh, Illinois. Hi, Mike. Hello. How are you? Very good. God, Daddy, we wish that were a suitcase spoken at what funeral? Tip O'Neill. Tip O'Neill's is right. Congratulations. <laughs> reference to, was that American Tourister that he was doing, those commercials? Yeah. Where he rose out of the suitcase? Okay. Uh, Mike, how are you? Very good. Uh, what do you do there in Woodstock? I'm a consultant. That's easy work, isn't it? You just, you just give advice to people? Uh, you try. Any particular area? or? Oh, uh, it's uh, primarily in higher education. Ooh, that's good, because everyone has an opinion about that. That's right. Oh, that's, that's decent. No one work. has any answers. Yeah. Well, that's very good. And how much did you get for that, Mike? Uh, not enough. Oh, okay. Mike, uh, this is Debbie here. Hello, Debbie. Hey, Mike. I'm impressed that you knew that was Tip O'Neill. Because I had no clue. I just would have said a dead guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, gone I through all been, the dead guys yeah. that you can think of. Yeah. All right, the two of you work together. And, uh, Mike, you feel confident in this? I hope so. You familiar with how it works? Uh, I've listened to it a couple times. All right. This should be the end of that, <laughs> I would think. And, uh, Jim, what categories may he choose from? He could choose from current events, people, places, things you should have learned in school had you been paying attention, science, or odds and ends. Okay. Michael, let's pick first category. What would you like? Um, science. Science. Okay. Now, two of you work together. Debbie, this is one of your strong suits, it's science? his strong suit. He's a scientist. Oh, the guy? Yeah, okay. the oh, that's married right. guy. Okay. Yeah. The married guy that you're married to. Okay. <laughs> Among spotted hyenas, who wears the pants, the male or the female? Of course, they are spotted pants, I might add. I'm sure in the hyenas, it's the females. Yeah. That's right, yeah. the females. <laughs> and they are bigger and more aggressive as well. They are known as the bobbits of the <laughs> animal kingdom. Okay. Um, that would what, be one right. The, thank you very much, Jim. And what remains in the... Current events, people, places, school, or odds and ends. All right, Debbie, over yeah. to you. School. School, okay. Good in school, were you? Uh, yeah, except for math. Okay. Let's not make this a math question. All right, if you're standing on the photosphere, standing on the photosphere, where are you standing? Outside the earth. You'll talk with your partner here, Mike. Uh, uh, Mike, Mike, Butters. do you know the answer to that, Mike? The, you like the science? The photosphere? Yeah. You're standing on the photosphere, where would you be standing? Probably in Rochester, New York. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> by the Kodak company. That's close. That's close. Any idea? Mike? No, I'm striking out on this one. Okay, I have to call time on this. I guess it's on the sun. The photosphere is the, the, the surface, if you can speak of the sun having a surface. Ah. Okay. Don't worry uh -oh. about it, Jim. That would be... That would be one right and one wrong. All right, you got three more chances to get two more right. Back to Mike for one of these. Current events, people, places, or odds and ends. Did you get Jim uh, saying one right and one wrong? Let's try uh, places. Yeah, okay. That's the best part of the show, a lot of us think. Because he can remember who's got how many right and how many wrong. I don't know how he does it. I'm sorry, what do you want, Mike? Places. Places, okay. Just speaking to the cameraman here, I wanted that preserved for... Posterity. <laughs> Places in Sweden, is it okay for someone to pick berries on your property? Mm, I'd, I'd say no. No, the Swedes don't allow no. much of anything. No, actually, no, <laughs> no, they're actually they're quite. A, I take it back. They're they're quite the social welfare country, aren't they? So maybe it would be okay. But then maybe they have some restrictions. So what do you say? No? I say that they have rules for everything, and probably picking berries is one thing that they would prohibit, except on your own property. Okay, okay. So we say you can't pick berries on other people's property in Sweden. Yeah. So you say no. Is that what we say, it's Mike? We okay. say no. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. Yes. 
Is there a turkey in your way? It's like a goblin. All right, Mike. There's a goblin. Is that a sound effect? Is that a new sound effect? I heard like goblin. Uh, it's okay to pick. You it can. Is okay. You can pick berries and mushrooms on someone else's so property in Sweden. You cannot pick corn on someone else's property. Are you serious? Yeah, this is the unwritten law in Sweden. Uh, you can build a campfire in the property, but you cannot tear down a tree to do it. That's uh, if you're traveling in Sweden, if you take your RV up to Sweden for your next venture, just so you know that. That would be one right, two wrong. Oh, we better go with the gut instinct from now on. Yeah. yeah, whatever that would be. Uh, yeah. What remains, Jim? Current events, people, and odds and ends. Okay. What's it going to be? Uh, back to Mike, I think. Is it Mike or is it? No, I think it's me this time. Back to Deb. Oh, back uh, to Deb. People, Dennis. people. Okay. Sorry, I just drifted See off there for a minute. See why I wanted to cheat? Now do you understand? <laughs> All right, would a, would a woman rather be run over by a truck or gain 150 pounds? Oh, I know the answer to that one. Okay. All right, go ahead. Run over by a truck. <laughs> Mike? I'll let her go with it. That's right, run yeah. over by a truck. <laughs> <laughs> That's from an Esquire poll of a thousand women, actually, and they all said the same thing. No one said <laughs> Jim, that would... Uh... Too right and too wrong. Okay, so we're even up here, in other words. This is a deciding question. You get it right, you win. Get it wrong, you lose. This is Mike. What? It's Mike, right? All right. Yes, back to Mike. Odds and ends. For one of these. All right, odds and ends it is. Here it is. Male life expectancy has risen two years in the past decade. Female life expectancy has it, A, fallen two years as a result of living with males? <laughs> B, stayed the same or risen two years? I'd say it's C, risen two years. Yeah, I agree. That's right, we can't win. Still seven years difference. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> you won the quiz. <laughs> they still get the last seven years without us, no matter what we do, and even made tremendous gains in the past few years. Jim, uh, what have they won? Well, Mike will proudly sport a T-shirt from Meisterheiser Beer, the favorite beverage north of the 40th parallel, with two shots of brandy in every can from Walrus Productions. Look for Carl, the Tyrolean moose. If you see him, don't drive. For Debbie, bask in the glory of Cheddarhead football. Two passes to the Green Bay Packer Hall of Fame, courtesy of the Packer Hall of Fame. Great. Each of you will be able to walk in the master's footsteps with a pair of Freudian slippers from Freud Toy and... <laughs> Read the master's words in Michael Feldman's What Do You Knowledge from William Morrow and Company. Congratulations to you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Mike Haynes for just a second. Nice talking to you. Congratulations. Thank you. If you'd like to attend a broadcast of What Do You Know in Madison, send us a self-addressed stamped envelope with your name, address, phone number, date of show, and number of tickets requested to What Do You Know Studio Audience, 821 University Avenue, Madison, Wisconsin, 53706. And next week? Next week, Kansas City. All right, so if you see you in Kansas City, don't come here. We'll be there. If you enjoy hearing John and Jeff, you might try the What Do You Know Trio's new CD and cassette called Solo. It's in the Radio Store catalog, and you can get your free copy of the catalog by calling 
What Do You Know is produced by Wisconsin Public Radio for American Public Radio. Michael Feldman, producer. This is APR, American Public Radio.
from Hope, Arkansas to Bozeman, Montana, it's What Do You Know with Michael Feldman from APR, American Public Radio. That's John Tulane at the piano and Jeff Eccles on bass. I'm Jim Packard. In this hour of What Do You Know, thanks for the memos, the What Do You Know quiz, and a salute to Corvallis, Oregon. Support for What Do You Know comes from American Public Radio affiliate stations and the American Public Radio Program Fund. What Do You Know is made possible in part by Wisconsin Tourism and Fond du Lac, Wisconsin, home of the Talking Houses. And for free statewide vacation information on Wisconsin, the playground of the Midwest, it's 1-800-432-TRIP. And tell them Michael said to call. Now, the man who doesn't begin to feel the cold before minus 50, Michael Feldman. Thank you very much, Jim Packard, and uh, we are here. I think it's actually warmed up to minus 30 or so now. Yeah, so. and we don't even talk about the wind chills. No, I proposed last week eliminating them entirely because it really is self-defeating to think about, you know, if it's 10 below, you can handle it, right? Right. If it's 50 below, you can't handle no. it. There's no way so you can handle it. You're going to die. So. Yeah, it sounds like you step out and you're dead. And it's true. But meanwhile, some people are living the life of Riley in an RV <laughs> in the Elks Club parking lot. It means nothing to them. Well, you know, each week at this time, we read an actual memo sent out by uh, actual people and organizations. That's right. It's time for thanks for the memos. And this is a very helpful uh, memo, a personnel-type thing, on slips, trips, and falls. What are they? Which reads uh, as follows. What are slips, trips, and falls? Slips are downward motions caused by insufficient traction between one's foot and the walking surface, resulting in a loss of balance, such as a person slipping on a wet floor. Trips are downward motions caused by an object stopping or inhibiting one's forward motion, such as boxes or cords in a walkway. Falls are the result of moving too far off one's center of gravity, resulting in downward motion to the walking surface or to another level, such as a person falling off a ladder. What statistical data has been gathered for slips, trips, and falls? Interesting question. Well, what has? Yes, slips, trips, and falls have been a leading accident type for all agencies within the past several years. Slips, trips, and falls can be subdivided into the type of accident, uh, such as falls, slip, twist, struck by object, type of activity, such as walking, office, inspection, and by type of injury, such as body part, head, back, or foot. The figure on the reverse side shows statistics by these categories compiled for 1987. We do have a chart here showing the various body parts. <laughs> this is the John Wayne Bobbitt chart, because it's... That include all the body parts, and uh, with the statistical, ana statistical analysis of each body part and how often it is subject to an injury, going right from the head, face, eye, shoulder, back, arm, chest, abdomen, right down to the foot. And the numbers are there. I can pass this around later. How to avoid slips, trips, and falls. Slips can be avoided by removing wet spots on the floor, removing carpeting or tiles which are loose or need to be fastened down, and using caution when walking on loose pavement or floorboards. Trips can be avoided by making sure electrical cords are secured to the floor. A little thing we could probably do around here a little better, I yeah. might add. <laughs> Storing of hazardous materials in cabinets instead of hallways and aisles and by not leaving drawers open. How many times have you tripped over a drawer when you think about it? <laughs> yes, John has done it, but it's not typical. Falls can be avoided by replacing or repairing stair treads which are cracked or worn. So try and do this at work next time you see a stair tread. Carrying only those boxes which you can handle and checking lighting, especially in narrow stairwells. 
You will soon be, rece be receiving by mail an illustrated booklet which describes in detail slips, trips, and falls and provides additional information on how to avoid them. So something to live for. Look for that in your mail. Thank you very much for that memo. Now, do you think this would actually serve to reduce the numbers of slips, trips, and falls in the workplace? It's going to be on my mind. Yes. You'll probably be reading this while you're walking and walking to the walls. It's going to happen. Anyhow, it's very helpful, as all personnel things are. And Jim, where can they send these memos? They should send all of those memos, and they should really study them very closely before they send them. But send them to you. Right. And that address is, what do you know, Michael Feldman, 821 University Avenue, Madison, Wisconsin, 53706. Yes, but be careful on the way to the mailbox, because it could be a wet spot there. Once again, John Tuling and Jeff Eccles.
what do you know on APR, American Public Radio. Thank you. here in the audience and uh, I don't know if this thing is working is it yeah. yes it is okay so they changed microphones on me so that's... The light go on just a blink okay just a pulse there on the, on the... How, how are you today Good. what's your name Mike. Mike is that your mom or is that a complete stranger that you're nestled with <laughs> that's okay you're kind of cute Thanks. Okay. All right, just fine. Oh, so this is your sister over here yeah. yeah how do you feel about her you like her yeah For the most part yeah Anything you don't like about her? Nothing. Nothing. Isn't that sweet? That's so cute. And you feel the same way about your brother? No. No. <laughs> There's a little reality check for you. As, as you grow up, as, I mean, what, what could possibly bother you about... What, what's your name? Caitlin. Caitlin, what could possibly bother you about little Mike here? A lot of things. Yeah. Uh, name six or seven. Uh, what's the biggest thing? Maybe if we talked it out, we could... Oh, gee, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, he bugs you in somewhere? What? Does he bug you in somewhere? Yeah. Yeah. What particular... I notice he's making a fist at you right now. Is, it, <laughs> is that typical of him? Yeah. yeah. What, what, does he do? what does he do that really bugs? Does he get in your room or get in your way? or? In my room. And what, when he gets in your room, what's the first thing that he goes for? The blankets. He, like, crawls under them and then ruins my bed and stuff, you know. <laughs> He's now, why would just merely crawling under the blankets ruin your bed? I don't. It messes it up. And You're a stickler for a neat bed. <laughs> I guess. Did you ever shake out the sheets and your brother comes flying out? That sort of thing. Yes. It's bad enough. Bad enough having crumbs in there, let alone your brother. I can, I can understand your dilemma. Okay. Well, nice to meet you both. Of course, time will not cure that. Maybe another 20 years, it'll still be the same relationship. Let's see who we got here, sir. You are? My name is Gary Cohen. Gary, where are you from? Madison, Wisconsin. How unusual to find you here. And Gary, what, what do you do when you're not sitting in radio shows? Uh, I'm studying uh, to be an actuary. Well, how nice for you. Um, <laughs> so then when you finally finish studying and are an actuary, what are you going to be doing? Hopefully uh, making a better living than I am now. At, at what? What am I doing now? Yeah. Nothing at all. Okay. <coughs> all right, so I guess an actuary would be better then, but I'm trying to... What are the job duties of an actuary? Not that I'm not familiar with that term. Uh, a lot of actuaries work for insurance companies to figure out uh, how much you should be paying, basically. <laughs> oh, so like the Bobbitt claim would come in? <laughs> and then you try to put a dollar amount on that? Uh, I suppose that might enter into it, yeah. And how do you arrive at a dollar amount for, not for something like that necessarily, but... I can't tell you. I'm not actual yet. Okay. <laughs> and are you pretty satisfied with this uh, career choice? Does it, does it look good? It looks very good. Yeah. Can you make big money and be an actuary? Actually, you can, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, and are you, uh, is this family here for you in this row? I've never seen them in my life. <laughs> so what sort of got you to come to a radio show on a cold day like this? Michael, I'm here every single weekend. Yes, of course. I've seen you before, and I... <laughs> You are? Yes, I am. In my audience, in my show? Every weekend, every Saturday. Have I ever spoken with you before? About six years ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did we have much the same conversation? I think you were sorry that you chose me. Yeah. 
I, now I remember. I, uh, you, asked, you asked if there were, was anything I thought that could be improved about the show. This was when we, you were in the old studio, and I said that the lights were a little dim and everyone booed. Uh -huh. And uh, then you went on to the next person. Yeah. All right, so I should be speaking to you again around the turn of the century. I guess. Sure. Around the year 2000, so think of something between now and then to say, okay? I'll find out how the actuarial career went by then, okay? Okay, thanks, thanks for your concern, Mike. <laughs> Good to see you here again. Of course, he's here every week. Here are folks from uh, Edmonton. Uh, how are you guys doing? Good. What's your name? Cecil. Cecil? They call you Cecil? Yep. Okay, fine. Uh, and uh, where are you from? Livingston, Wisconsin. Where is Livingston? Um, by Platteville. Yes. Oh, by Platteville. Well, that's over by a John Tooling country over there. Yeah. Where's John Tooling? John, where is your country, anyway? Platteville. Platteville. Yeah. Are you familiar with uh, Livingston? Yes, driven through it many times. Okay, he's driven through it. Are you familiar with the Tooling family? No. Are you from Livingston, too? Yeah, I'm his dad. Oh, I thought I saw, like, a resemblance there, basically. Yeah, because we're both crazy. Yeah. <laughs> So you think there's a gene for that, or what? <laughs> yeah, there is with me. I, yeah. yeah. You know, when you say crazy, what? You just like wild and crazy? Yeah, I do some pretty wild stuff. I, I better not say. <laughs> like some stuff. Do you mean you're just uninhibited? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. In every circumstance. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. The kid is cringing right here. I see so as I, I could see. Oh no, no, no. He's saying that, but you've always been like that, right? Well, yeah. I have some of it captured on film. <laughs> A, a current affair camera is here today, so what, what, is, what is your name? <laughs> My name's Jim Knudsen. Jim. And uh, what's, what crazy thing could you tell us about that you've done? Well, I eat things. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's pretty wild right there. Unusual things? Yeah, they're alive. You mean like oysters? No, like... You want to see, so you want to leave for a while? I'll talk to you. Uh... Like oysters are alive. Well, like uh, worms, uh, live fish, butterflies, moths. Like endangered species, that sort of thing, or? No. If I could, I'd find some. I need them. Like at the tavern. Well, sometimes. Cam uh, camping out. You know, if you got a lantern out there, the moths come in. Yeah. And you're playing cards, you just grab. <laughs> I try to stop him. <laughs> you can't stop a guy like this. You're quick. Yeah. You're pretty quick grabbing those moss, I would think. Frog. Oh, you do it just with your mouth? No, no, I use my hands. Yeah. And night crawlers and yeah. anything that'll embarrass my kids. Yeah. And my wife, and she's listening. Yeah. What's the largest thing you've ever uh, consumed? Living thing? A live frog. <laughs> oh, my God. And, uh, I'm kidding, don't you? No, you know, I know you're not. I'm looking at you, and I know you're not kidding. So. I'm serious. What size frog are we talking here? Oh, he's a big one. He's, he was big. Yeah. Uh, pretty good sized frog. Yeah. I ate him head first. Yeah. Does that stay with you, frog, or are you hungry for another one in a half hour later? I don't do this because I like it. No. It's just, you know, it embarrasses people. So it's like a compulsion? Oh, absolutely. 
you ever tried to deal with like like stopping this behavior? Or? Oh, I I don't want to stop. <laughs> it's too embarrassing to the family, and you enjoy that. Well, I, I think I do enjoy it. Yeah. Okay. Well, your son is really humiliated here, uh, so I think it's, it has its uh, effects. So it's nice to have you here. Thank you. You're not eating live things. I assemble John Deere engines in Dubuque, Iowa, but I live in uh, in God's country. I don't live in Iowa. No, I didn't mean to imply that you did. Now, <laughs> uh, here's a man who'll eat frogs, but he's worried people think he's from Iowa. I got... <laughs> That's okay. Nice to have you here. You're a heck of a guy. All right, who's over here? Hi, how are you? Hi, how are you, Michael? I'm fine, thanks. And you are caught you in the middle of a gesture there, I think. Well, I, was just, I was just asking the uh, radio audience to check their John Deere engine for frogs and, and <laughs> other body parts. Yeah, there's a strange rattle in this thing here. What the heck that could be? What's your name? Uh, Bob Hermanson. Bob, where are you from? Chicago. And Bob, what do you do down there? Uh, well, I'm trained as a chemical engineer, but I'm a regulatory analyst now. I read the Federal Register and translate it into English. Oh, you do? That's what a regulatory analyst would do? Uh, in my case, yeah. yeah. In what particular area, in terms of... Environmental regulations, mostly. Trying to read those and figure out what... Uh, yeah, there's 60 or 70 pages of gobbledygook, and I try and boil it down to a couple of pages. Anything in there about eating wildlife? Uh, is there... Uh, that's Endangered Species Act, yeah, <laughs> I, I imagine so. Uh, yeah. Uh, but uh, I don't do that area. I do uh, emissions and things like that. You're in emission? Um, yeah. I think yeah. after eating, eating a frog, I'd be in emissions, too. I'd, or I'd be in remission, because I wouldn't do it again. And uh, what, when you're relaxing down in Chicago, what do you do? I got two kids, so I uh, don't really relax. Yeah, uh, we come up to Madison on cold days and, and listen to radio shows. How old are your kids? Two and four. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, they keep me busy, and keep my wife busy too. So, oh, hi. how are you? Hi. Nice to see you. Nice to be here. How did you How did you meet this guy? Um, through friends. Are they still friends? Yes, but they moved to Canada. Oh, it's a health <laughs> health plan, you know. <laughs> and what's your name? Ellen Duff. Oh, nice to see you here. What do you do for a living? I'm a lawyer. Oh, you are. Okay. Sorry. What kind of law do you practice? Um, uh, why should you have to apologize for being a lawyer? Do you feel that's kind of a... Just habit. <laughs> um, I'm a corporate lawyer. I do financing. See, enough for that. You apologize. You <laughs> <laughs> could have been one of the good lawyers. You turned out to be one of those. But that's, I can understand. <laughs> Where are the kids, if I might ask? They're at their grandparents' house this weekend. Okay. A weekend in hell for them, okay. <laughs> for the grandparents, I mean, yeah, not for the kids. Okay, nice to have you here. Okay, we are going to play another round of the What Do You Know quiz. And uh, before we get... Are there more people here from John Deere, too? Because I saw a lot of John Deere and a lot of cars. Are you a John Deere, ma'am? You are? Okay. Are you familiar with this gentleman? Oh, you should meet him after the show. You know her? <laughs> he knows you. Maybe that's the story we're looking for. How are you, sir? Wonderful. Yeah. What's your name? Chuck Williams. Chuck? You know, there's something about you. you uh, I don't know what it is. Have we met before? Absolutely not. Have you been coming here for six years? No, but you filled in a couple of empty hours. You're a big guy when I go fishing. You do. What do you fish for? Anything I can get. Yeah. With fish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask. I guess you beat me to it. Did you ever eat them live, uh, Chuck, when you're out? Never. Never. <laughs> Are these, are these pals? Oh, pardon me, I didn't mean to hit your lens. Uh, these pals here here? Yes. We, we had a, her and I had a common problem. What's We'd that? talk about you and couldn't remember your name, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just call me Feldman. It's easier. To... <laughs> okay. All right, I tell you what, we're going to sit here and uh, think about this for a moment. And some of you are going to play the What Do You Know quiz, or one of you is, anyhow. So let's right now give you a chance to do that. 
Who here feels they deserve to play the What Do You Know quiz? Let's see the hands right now. That uh, One of you will be that lucky individual. There's a hand, all right. The lucky individual, uh, as you know, uh, not everyone gets a chance to do this. Some people have come here for years and years and never get a chance to do anything. So let's just, uh, this is very, it's a very tough call. I don't really know. What about this gentleman down here, sir? Why don't I get you to come over here if you would? Yes, bring your scarf with you because it's cold up there. You are? Alan Cummings. And Alan, uh, where are you from? Um, in the beginning. Oh. Let's, let's go back to Exodus if you'd like. But uh, South, South Orange, New Jersey. South Orange, New Jersey. And um, what'd you do there? Grew up for first 18 years. Let's go through all those 18 years. <laughs> and uh, most recently you are from? Okay, and what do you do now, Alan? Uh, general contracting. General contracting. Okay, nothing specific? Mm, no. Just put up things and then you figure out what they are later, yeah. basically. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Alan, give me one good reason why you should play this quiz. I had all these great answers. <laughs> Can't think of it. <laughs> um, Applaud your honesty. Gosh, I, I guess I do have to come up with something. Um, Anything will do, really. No. <sighs> <laughs> we'll wait. <laughs> no, <laughs> the band's going to play a little instrumental number now. Aren't we? Uh, I don't want to be flipper coy. Maybe you're overthinking it. I mean, really, anything. I'm here. Um, I enjoy your show. All the basic. Stuff. That's good enough for me, really. I don't Come on up here and join us. Step right down here. Let me show you the way. Have a seat right up there. That's Jim Packard. Alan, don't be afraid. Nice to you today. All right, Alan, nice to have you here. Thank you. Yeah, are you a sportsman, Alan, as well? Kind of. Not too often. You know, I, yeah. I don't watch sports that much. Maybe the football games. Uh -huh. I mean, you can actually get out there. You're a Hunter or fisherman? Or no, no. I should be. You should be? Yeah. Because well, you, you would like to kill things. <laughs> <laughs> you have a desire no, to kill, but no, you No, 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 just, no, no, no. I don't, no. Do you, uh, what do you do then for, uh, do anything physical? Mm, fix it stuff, you know. Handyman around the house, around other people's houses. Oh, yeah. Things like that. It'd be nice to know a contractor, I'll tell you that, as a friend. Well, I enjoy doing the work. It's yeah. really great. And I really don't charge the people that I work with, you know, so... You don't charge them at all? <laughs> well, the, when I'm saying fix things around, you know, family and things like that, family relatives, uh -huh. I enjoy Would you put in the foundation house. for uh, someone you know, for example? For <laughs> just the cost of materials? Uh, a little vacation home? Possibly, if they were yeah. willing to help me out. Oh. I was along with that. Want to sure. go camping sometime? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah, okay. Sure. Be a great guy to know. Uh, do you come from a, uh, a line of handy people? I mean, no, I mean, no, not at all. Because I, I wonder. Great if thinkers. A... I just happen to use my hands, and I, I guess I have to use my head too. But... Yeah. Well, you got to know where to <laughs> dig the hole. I suppose that's kind I of suppose, important. I suppose. Yeah. But you're you're no handyman in the family. No, no. Because I'm wondering if there's a gene for that, and if it skipped uh, generation. See, my brother Clayton, the oldest one, is pretty handy. But none of the rest of us are. Well, my grandfather, he was always handy. He always had the, all these jars of screws and nuts and bolts hanging from underneath a, <laughs> a shelf. Yeah. And I picked up a few things from him. Probably the screws and the nuts, right? <laughs> I do have a few. Yeah. yeah. One do. of those organized guys. Is that the way yes. your basement looks? Is it totally yes. organized? Yes. Everything and in I little jars it. hanging yes. from the ceiling? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a bottle of brandy behind the shelf? Mm, not the brandy, no. But. Oh, okay. Well, you're just missing one ingredient then, too. 
maybe a, a construction little, project. When I'm a little older. <laughs> and Alan, are you married? And uh, not yet. No. Are you, are you near it? Very possibly. Yes. Oh, you're on the verge of something. Are you mm -hmm. Engaged or? Well, we've been dating for about six years. <laughs> uh -huh. I believe in long engagements because you really don't, you know know the person that well. Well, no. I don't. Some no. people can know right away. Yeah. I enjoy spending time and learning their habits, uh -huh. good or bad, <laughs> whether I can deal with them or not. Uh -huh. Do you hire an investigator at any point? <laughs> <laughs> no. To get the lowdown on them? No. Well, how many years do you think it's taken six years so far? Do you feel you know this person yet? Or? Very well, very well, yeah. Yeah. And it still looks positive. We think another six, oh, seven yeah. years? <laughs> You're right, though. You never know. But the point is, you'll never know that person until you're living together. That's what I'm afraid of. Yeah. Because then... It... <laughs> the first thing she's going to do is unscrew all your little jars. <laughs> she has attempted to do that. Yeah. Already. Because so it looks terrible or whatever. Couldn't she... be that bad. Or she'll put spices in them or something. <laughs> they'll be on your workshop and there'll be spices in your oregano and stuff. And... I'm telling you something. There's no way you can know a person. You've got to marry them. Okay. Okay. Just, uh, just to save you some time. <laughs> hey, Alan, it's great to have you here. And as Thank you know, you. this is a general knowledge quiz, which means uh, it's like general contracting, I guess. No one knows what it means. And it uh, <laughs> means we'll do anything, and we will. And uh, we have uh, various categories, and someone out there gets to play along with you by calling this number. 1-800-942-5669 or 1-800-WANO. WANO. Is this a slow season for you now, Alan? And not much... Um, digging going on. And I sometimes travel down to Orlando, Florida and oh, you do did. some work for there. So what a good idea. Yeah. I, got just got, I just got back last week. And it was what temperature there? Mm, 75, 80, oh, normal. I, I hate it when things are perfect. Remember, all great cultures are in northern climes. Uh, who said that anyway? I can't I know, ever prove that. I can't really believe that that's true. All right, so Alan, someone out there will answer this question and we'll see who plays along with you. Here is the question. Which letter, or which consonant, I'll tell you that, which letter is hot right now in advertising. Which letter? As you know, each year in advertising, there's a particular letter that seems to appear in products. Maybe you didn't know that. For a while, X was very big. X was in everything. Um, now there's another letter that's in products and in consumer goods that is very hot. If you know, give us a call here at 1-800-WHA-KNOW. And uh, none of those are the letter, I'll tell you that right now. Which letter is hot right now in advertising? If you know, give us a call. Let's go to uh, uh, Los Angeles, and uh, Glenn <coughs> Gordon is on the line. Hi, Glenn, how are you? Hi, Michael, how are you? I'm fine, thanks. Glenn, what do you do there? Uh, I, I sort of want to play that down, since you seem to take a dim view of people who are in my profession. I do computer work. Oh, yeah, there's just nothing you can say to those people. You well, know? there's plenty to say. The problem is those of you who don't do computer work can't relate on the same plane, you see. Yes, on the totally... On the totally superficial plane of well, yes, exactly. computer software. I, no. I do want, want to mention to you that I go to a great efforts to listen to the program <coughs> since no public radio in Los Angeles seems to carry it. Yeah, where do you hear it? Well, there's a gentleman in Sacramento who likes that man who accused you of doing put-down humor. Well, there's been so many that I don't know which one. <laughs> I would, yes, but, but he go also on. does a radio show from the Midwest. Oh, Harrison Tyler. Yes, him. Yeah. Yes. So I am forced to uh, record Harrison. Uh -huh. and send those tapes up north, and uh, I guess in his mind he is forced to record you and send them down south, so we're all happy campers. So he erases the Garrison Keillor tapes and puts my show on there? Exactly. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I, however, keep your show. Always nice to hear that. Uh, 
Glenn, uh, here's the question. What letter is hot right now in advertising? Any idea? Uh, yes, but probably the wrong one. I'll give you a hint. It's towards the end of the alphabet. It is a consonant. What do you think it is? Um, I'm thinking maybe Z. Z is right. Congratulations. It's hey. really unbelievable. And uh, how'd you arrive at that, Glenn? Um, I was thinking that perhaps if it was near the end of the alphabet, that uh, Z was probably as close as you could come. Yeah, I think it's the Prozac influence. It's so popular now. But there are a lot of products now that have a Z in it, and they're also using a lot of double uh, vowels, like Achiva and uh, what's this? What other ones, Jim? Well, I thought C was like Mercedes has a new car, the C class. There you go. I was leaning towards Q, actually, so I'm happy you uh, Q is not big. towards the end. Q is not big. Actually, they say Q is upcoming and J because of the Hoppy family in particular. <laughs> very hot right now. Glenn, I, do, uh, I do have one question for you, Michael. I hope this is not really being pushy. No, it's not. Glenn, this is Alan uh, right oh. here. He's your partner in the quiz. Hello, Alan. Yeah. Hi, Glenn. And uh, you know, I'm the quiz master. I ask the questions. But oh. If there's time at the end of the show, we'll, ask you, uh, we'll answer your question, okay? Oh, okay, fine. All right, fine. Glenn? Well, yes. Yes, um, Alan, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. Listen, I'm very nervous here. I was going to be okay with just a radio show, mm. but now that current affairs here, I'm really kind of jittery. Uh, don't worry about it. You're that. not involved no. in the expose. Well, oh, I would okay. actually have said the opposite. It's just gems. Yeah. You're not being I wouldn't be them. nervous about current affairs, but oh. the radio show. <laughs> I mean, this is the big time. Anyway, you guys work together on this. And, and what categories do we have, Jim? We have current events, people, places, things you should have learned in school had you been paying attention, science, or odds and ends. Okay. And Glenn will let you pick the first category. What would you like? How about uh, things you should have learned at school? Things you should learn in school. Okay. When I was nodding off. Yeah. Glenn, did you see any badgers out there during the Rose Bowl? Um, no, although actually what happened, I, uh, I, I work at UCLA. Oh, you do. And the word was that the UCLA fans were not really in... Uh, at large, uh, large numbers because they found that they could sell their tickets yeah. to the Badgers. <laughs> That's kind of, a sore, kind of a sore point there, uh, Glenn, that little ticket situation. Well, I'm sorry. So we, so we were underrepresented. Yeah, okay. Uh, you guys don't tailgate, though, do you? Uh, certainly not. Yeah, okay. <laughs> sorry, it's not offensive out here. I didn't... Right. Here's the question. It's a school question. Which Frederick was the great? Was it the first, the second, or the third? Um, not of Hollywood. Not Fredericks of Hollywood, no. I'm kind of lost. I was thinking the first, but why would they have the first? Got to well, start somewhere. Yeah, I suppose why would there have been a second or third, you know? Well, yeah. It's, you think it's like Sears, good, Fredericks better, and best or something? Was there you know, only the other one? thing, though, Alan, is I mean, sometimes you just have to choose the middle one. Well, that's kind of risky. Uh, was there, wasn't there only one? Uh, I'm just guessing. No, there know. are a bunch of Fredericks. Oh, uh, Fredericks me. of what country? Well, uh, the Prussian Fredericks. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really... Uh, well, I'll, since you picked the question... Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll defer you to you, answer. absolutely, because then I can blame you if we're wrong. No, 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 no. You take the responsibility. No, I don't know. I, the first came to my mind right away. If you want to go with it, you can. I'll go with it. Oh, don't do this. Oh, no, much. wait. Maybe we should get Michael's <laughs> opinion. Can you, can you uh, sort of detect his facial expression, Alan? Excuse me? Can you detect his facial expression? Oh, I, got, <laughs> I got a blank stare. Has that been true for, throughout the whole show? Or just pretty much, now? yeah, pretty much. 
Well, can you repeat the answers again? How hard is this, you guys? <laughs> Which Frederick is Frederick the Great? The first, second, or third? I'll give you three, three Fredericks there to choose from. The third he emphasized, huh? Not much. No, I but... didn't. <laughs> one was right, known no, as... No, he didn't, so that One was not Frederick the Not Bad, one was <laughs> Frederick the Klutz, and one was Frederick the Great. He was quick I'll, to say I'll go the third. I'll your choice, Alan. What was your choice, Well, he was Alan? quick to say not the third, so... Yeah. <laughs> Which one did you choose? The first? Yes. I'm sorry, it's Frederick II, wasn't oh. great? I thought... It... Well, we had to end it at some point, didn't we? This could have gone on for... Yeah. Yeah, 1740, 1786. There are a bunch of Fredericks, though. You, you, you also said the middle one, huh, Glenn? I, I did, Alan. I'm not going to rub that one in. <laughs> <laughs> He's known as Glenn the Great. They call him over there. And, uh, Jim... That would be one wrong. Oh, they got that, Jim. <laughs> All right, uh, back over to you, Alan, for one of these categories. Current events, people, places, science, or odds and ends. Try science. Science. Humans and armadillos oh, have something in common. Now, is it A, they have the same genetic makeup except for one pair of chromosomes? B, they are the only animals to have identical twins? Or C, they evolved from a common ancestor, the bony-plated plotosaur? I think it's either one or two, because two, I never saw an armadillo with two twins hanging on its back or following it. They all do look alike, though, pretty much, armadillo. <laughs> you wouldn't really know if they were identical twins. What was one, or... Michael? Glenn, help. What, what was A? You're not going to stop the car to examine them. Give them physically. You know. What was the, uh, the A? Oh, I'm choice? sorry. Humans and armadillos. Um, a, have the same genetic makeup except for one pair of chromosomes. I actually kind of like B. About the twins? The, uh, the, the, the twins. I guess I'm thinking that maybe we're, uh, we're further apart than... You'd like to think. One, one pair of chromosomes. Well, yes. I, I like the technical aspect of the first question. It sounds more more like it, you know. Well, you tend to answer for the first question. He tends to go for the second answer. <laughs> and yeah, and unfortunately, we may be reversed, yeah. you know. I can see this. What's it going to be? Genetic makeup? Yeah, let's go with genetic Identical makeup. twins or common ancestor? I say genetic. I, I say identical twins. Can you break the tie for us, Michael? <laughs> Well, uh, one of you is right and one well, of you is wrong, I'll tell you that. <laughs> oh, well, that's you, close. You took the first. Not number Maybe we should defer to Glenn on this one and see what happens. <laughs> well, I think you should perhaps take that as an omen, Alan. <laughs> but no, do as you see fit. No, I, was, I was thinking since you got the first one right, it's my turn to get the first one. <laughs> <laughs> he got it wrong. He got it wrong. <laughs> no, he didn't answer. I told him Alexander the first. Yes. <laughs> it was Frederick. Frederick. But he said the middle one. Yeah. So his answer was correct, and I guess if I say the genetic You know, <laughs> overthinking this is probably the worst thing you can do, really. What's Glenn, it going to be, A, B, or C? Would you defer to me on this one, uh, Alan? Yes, I will. It's all yours. So you're saying B? Yes, I am. B is right. Oh, very good. Yeah. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you, thank you. And Alan, before you get married, if you do, you've got to work out this decision-sharing thing. I think he should this, just ask me. This is going to be a... I'm two for two. What? I think he should ask me as yeah, to whether be, he really should marry this person. You'd be an under... <laughs> well, let's come back to that question. Right now, uh, Jim... One right, one wrong. All right. And Glenn, it's back to you for one of the categories, including... Current events, people, places, or odds and ends. How about people? How about people? People. All right. How many people think they've experienced deja vu before? <laughs> Didn't you ask that question last week? I don't think so. Don't. No? Oh, I, I was thinking yeah. it seemed. Seems familiar, right. 
Is it one out of two, two out of three, or three out of four? People think they've experienced deja vu before. One out of two, two out of three, or three out of four? Let's take a poll here. How many of you have, uh, feel you've done this before? Quite a lot. How many people have never experienced something like this before in their lives? There you have it. Three out of four. I, I, I I'm sort of leaning towards three out of four. What do you think, Alan? I agree, Glenn. That's a bad sign, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> no, at least uh, there's no blame now. I'm sorry. It's, uh, it's two out of three. Two oh. out of three, yeah. Uh, three out of four would be pretty high. Uh, Jim? Come That's on. Uh, one right and two wrong. Okay. Don't worry about it. We have two to get two right. Okay. Yeah, that's right. That's correct. Glenn, thank you. Um, and what remains, Jim? Current events, places, or odds and ends. All right. What's it going to be, Alan? Current events. Current events. Right out of the news. All right. This is a quote from uh, someone on someone. And the, the quote was, boob bait for the bubba's. And the question is, what is boob bait for the bubba's? The exact quote uh, from a U.S. senator, I'll tell you that much. You took my newspaper away earlier. Oh, that was yours. <laughs> John's got it now. <laughs> boob bait for the bubba's. Glenn, any idea? Well, Alan, I think that, uh, that you need to carry forth now. I'm obviously not hot any longer. <laughs> You've cooled off in the interim here. That's, that sounds like some, some football coach or somebody big and brawny yeah. would say. Or I'll, I'll tell you who said it, actually. Doesn't Senator, uh, Senator Moynihan said it. <laughs> okay, regarding uh, uh, something of... Uh, regarding? In, uh, yeah, what was it regarding? That, it was regarding a proposal uh, by a certain administration. <laughs> currently, currently in power. Now, boob bait for the bubbas. What might that be? Glenn, anything. Regarding a certain area of uh, proposed uh, legislation. Could, could it be the, uh, the medical reform? The, uh, There's one area, of course, where the reform, there is proposed... Reform in health care. I, mean, I, I like the analogy there. What areas of, of legislation are, do we have on the table these days? Um, health care is one of them. There was NAFTA. NAFTA, yeah. that's been resolved, yeah. What's coming uh, up? What's the... There's uh, uh, certainly the, uh, the arms reduction. Uh, yes, yes, that's Soviet. true. And uh, it's domestic policy. Domestic, <laughs> policy. <laughs> domestic policy. Yep. <laughs> A reform proposal. Uh, something reform. Reform. What are we changing now? Yeah, some kind of reform. Uh, uh, not tax. Tax. No, not no, tax. Reform. Not tax. <laughs> I know you're really pulling for us, Michael. <laughs> It just looks bad, you know, when they lose. That's <laughs> yeah, like, it really does. Such a downer. And I've wanted to play this quiz for so many years. I've wanted to move so, to Wisconsin uh, so I could play the quiz. Yeah. I feel uh, like I'm on the precipice of come on, Glenn. being pushed you over. Are. I think so. Boob bait for the Bubba's regarding what proposals from the administration forthcoming. Moynihan, of course, is in interested in what sort of... Uh, education? Education, and could we say the umbrella of human services, perhaps? Uh, health? Um, welfare. welfare. Welfare is right! Oh. Oh. Thank you. Good job, Glenn. All right. Good job, Glenn. Very good deduction there, and what... Uh, that would be too right, too wrong. All right, I'll give you a chance to lose fair and square here now. <laughs> Gentlemen, uh, what remains? Places or odds and ends? Places or odds and ends, Glenn? Uh, how about odds and ends? Odds and ends. We're going to get this one. Are you a native uh, Angelino? Glenn? Yes, I am, although we are, we are planning to leave the state. 
I've been trying to convince my wife that we should move to Madison, and she said, why? And I explained, because of what do you know. Mm. She said, it's too cold. Yeah. So we've settled on Ithaca, New York. <laughs> Good compromise. Yes, exactly. All right, a self-cleaning restroom, uh, now under development, will cost you, run you about 25000 50000 or half a million dollars. A self-cleaning restroom. This is a restroom that entirely, that just, everything flushes. How many stalls? I, th I thought they already have those at the Pittsburgh airport. They do? Yeah, you walk away from the stall and it <laughs> flushes itself for you. Well, this is the whole restroom flushes. Oh, I see. You, you put your hands under the sink, the water comes on. I don't think you're in there when it's doing this. I think this is, oh. or you could be. If you, <laughs> so if you like don't want to wipe, you could stay in there, I suppose. <laughs> like the French. The French have something like that, don't they? Yes. They have kind of high-pressure hoses come out and kind of... All right, you don't like this question. I'll give you this question. No, it might, it might be okay, especially if you can sort of... Um, All right, 25000 50000 or half a million? Um, you're you're in contracting? I'm a little concerned because I'm not clear on how much cleaning it's really doing, but... Uh. Well, <clears throat> for what they have now, you know, what you're talking about with that. Oh, it's already been developed. I hear it there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, uh, I guess I would be inclined to lean towards the... Uh, the 50,000, but you know, maybe it's not cleaning enough for 50 grand. No. That's what you would pay for it? I agree, the 25,000. 25,000? Because you're in contracting, it, yeah. you know how to estimate. Well, depending on the amount of stalls, I really, you can have twice as Right now, they're developed for, for a service station kind of situation. Oh, where just the one stall and the toilet. Yeah, just yeah. 25,000. Even that's expensive. I can do right. it for a lot less. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying it's 25,000. There you have it. What do you think? Uh, so 25000 you, you guys seem to be in cahoots. I guess I should just go along. Well, he's in contracting. Uh -huh. So he can have you killed, actually. There's a contract on <laughs> 25, so you. 25000 so you, you think anything above 25000 is too high? Oh, yeah. That's that's high as it is. Okay. And this includes all of everything? Yes. yes. Blueprints all the way up. Tiles, prints, design. Hydraulic sure. hoses. Well, if you so choose design. So... Yeah. No, never mind. Yeah, okay. Well, how else would you go with something like this? 25000 Uh Okay. Is right. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> and Alan can do it for less. That's the important thing in this whole thing. I think uh, Alan can come in at seventeen five on this, too, so we're looking... That's uh, pretty close. Yeah, looking Great. pretty good at this juncture. Yeah. Uh, Jim... Uh, well, Alan, uh, while whiling away the winter creating ephemeral images of your artistic sensibilities, you have the Etch-a-Sketch magic screen from the Ohio Art Company. Glenn, you and your significant other can stop fighting the snow. Go with the flow with ski passes and ski lessons from the Monaco, Wisconsin Winter Park and Nordic Center. And each of you will be able to play with wacky wizards and race to brew secret potions in the game of Elixir from TSR, along with Michael Feldman's What Do You Knowledge from William Morrow and Company. Congratulations to you. Thank, Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I'll call you about that little job. Just a foundation among friends. Glenn, nice talking to you. Hang on for just a second. Thank you, Michael. All right, take care. Wouldn't it be fun to hear this program all over again, sort of a short-term nostalgia craze? Just call 1-800-747-7444 and order your cassette of today's show. Thank you, Jim. And this will be one of the highlights, I'm sure, of today's show on that tape. That's right, it's time once again for a town, village, or burg somewhere across the greater U.S. And here is Jim Packard to introduce us to our Town of the Week. Ask anyone in the state where Oregon Strait or Moo Yu is located and they'll direct you to the Willamette River Valley. This postcard picture setting is one of the most beautiful alpine-like valleys in the country. 
the seat of Oregon State Agricultural College at Corvallis. It was nearly 150 years ago when Joe Avery laid out a town site in the west bank of the Marys River. The town was called Little Fields, then Avery, Marysville, and finally Corvallis, a name coined by Avery by compounding two Latin words meaning heart of the valley. It was at the Ag College where the first hen to lay 300 eggs a year was bred. And from now until mid-March, you can watch ewes giving birth in the lambing barns. The school has two fine museums, the Natural History and Horner's Museum, often called Oregon Smithsonian. This town of 40,000 is also the seat of Benton County. Its courthouse is the oldest such building in the state. Corvallis is home to a large division of Hewlett-Packard and was recently named one of the top two medium-sized cities in the country. From town, it's five miles up to Mary's Peak, where from that mountaintop on a clear day, you can see the Pacific to the west and the Cascades to the east. Of course, it rains about 130 inches a year, especially on weekends, so cloudy days are commonplace in our town of the week, Corvallis, Oregon. Thank you very much, uh, Jim, and uh, we, we are right now calling randomly out to Corvallis to find someone who will speak with us to uh, elaborate on what Jim Packard has already initiated here. And we have someone on the line right now, uh, Clint Arnold from Corvallis, and let's find out about Corvallis from an insider's point of view. Hi, Clint. How are you this morning? Pretty good. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. We are here in uh, Wisconsin, and uh, this is the What Do You Know Show. Have you heard of it? Uh, no, I haven't. Okay. Are we on the Corvallis? Yes, I think, we are. We think we are. K-O-A-C. KOAC out there and uh, give us a listen sometime. Clint, okay. we are honoring Corvallis as a town of the week, and uh, how do you like it out there? Well, taking all in all, I think it's a pretty, pretty good place to live. Yeah. Some pluses, some minuses? Oh, yeah. Just yeah. like any place else. That's true. And uh, what are the pluses, Clint? What do, you, what do you like about Corvallis? Well, there's, it's got a real good school system. Mm-hmm. Um, just having a newborn son, I, I, that's oh. one of our pluses here. Yeah. And uh, the the overall quality of life here, I think, is is really really good. We have a a good emergency medical system mm-hmm. and a, a real good uh, police department. Mm-hmm. Is emergency medical was that like a key factor in uh, in in locating for you? Um, no, not really. Um, it's. It's one of those things that's, that that it has has developed over the years that I've lived here. Yeah, where, where do you? Pardon where, me. Where do you come from originally? I come from Eastern Oregon. Oh, you do. Oh, so you're still not too far away. No. Yeah. How is how is the employment uh, in Corvallis? Pretty good. Um. Yeah, it has been certain industries anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly high tech is is the seems to be the growing concern here. Yeah. What what field are you in? I am a uh, construction millwright for. Uh, a local company. Okay, great. And um, Clint, if we were coming to town, just uh, 100, 150 of us or so, and you wanted to show us a good time, what spots would we be sure to hit? Uh, well, <laughs> that's a tough one. Um, yeah. As far as, uh, are you talking nightlife or uh, drinking? John's talk, John is talking drinking. That's our piano player. But yeah, <laughs> nightlife or spots of interest, uh, you know. We could do something during the day, I suppose, but want to save our strength. Well, um, we have a real good park system here. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, the city has, has placed a lot of emphasis on, uh, on open spaces and things, you mm-hmm. know, as it to, to try to achieve the kind of quality of life people are looking for. Mm-hmm. 
Um, as far as nightlife and things goes, the uh, the peacock's the place to go, I think. The peacock. All right, so we hang out in the park by the day, <laughs> and by night we head for the peacock, and what do we find there? Uh, good music. That's about it. <laughs> that, do they serve anything? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, they've... Uh, your typical bar, I guess. It's uh, yeah. whatever you want. Uh -huh. Is this a place you might have gone to in your single days, or is it... <laughs> yeah, well, that's for sure, yeah. So <laughs> so if we mention the name Clint Arnold around there, would we hear a few stories? Uh, not really. I've been out of circulation for quite a while. Yeah, but some things they remember, I bet. <laughs> the well, I think it would be the police that remembered that more than... <laughs> What was that story? There was something. Clint Arnold, the name is familiar. There was some big fracas there or something. High-speed chase or something, wasn't it? Uh, no, but we, won't, we don't need to get into that. Vehicle, not strictly with registration. I forgot what that was. No, I'm just kidding. You, I'll put it this way. There were no convictions. <laughs> and Clint, that's the important thing when all is done and you know, said and done, basically. No convictions. And so Clint Carvalho is a good place to raise uh, kids and a good environment uh, I would say you, you think about the nat natural beauty of a place like that is what you hear about most often. Um, yeah, that's that's the big plus here. Yeah. Um, I, like I say, me and my wife and I have have pretty much made a conscious decision that that we want to that we want to raise our kids here. That's great because my wife and I have never made a conscious decision of any sort, <laughs> including having the kids. I can't remember any. I don't remember even answering a poll on that question. Well, Clint, it's been very nice to talk with you. We appreciate you taking the time. We have a little something for you. Clint, we're going to send you a pound of Costa Rican coffee and a Latour chocolate bar from Victor Allen's Coffee and Tea of Madison. And you can learn some fascinating facts about Madison's most famous landmark, the book Wisconsin Capital by Diana Cook from Prairie Oak Press. We hope you enjoy those. Okay, thank you. Clint, thanks very much. Nice talking to you. Take care. All right. Clint Arnold from Carvalho, Oregon. We have time here to throw a dart, and this will be our town of the week in two weeks, two right, Jim? Because we'll be in Kansas City next week. Yes. Why don't you come down here and throw this dart? I know you've been anxious to do something all day today. Hi. Chomping at the bit. Who are you? I'm Charlotte Belfield. Charlotte, where are you from? Janesville. Janesville. And uh, Charlotte, would you do the honors here and try and hit that map? From here? If you want to, go ahead. <laughs> no, uh, how good are you at darts? This... Not too bad, actually. Oh, okay. I, I have done this before. Right. So just whip it in there. This will be our town of the week. Whoa. California, we know that much. Looks like Willits. Willits? Willits, right next to Fort Bragg, California. A town of the week in two weeks. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. And once again, John Tooling on piano and Jeff Eccles on bass.
What Do You Know is produced by Wisconsin Public Radio for American Public Radio. Michael Feldman, producer, with assistance from Lyle Anderson, Diana Cook, and Debbie Builder. Technical director Tom Blaine with sound mixing by Dusty Tomto and Steve Cologne. The uplink operator this week is Al Ritchie. Next week, going to Kansas City. Kansas City, here we come. Thank you for coming. Thank you all for listening. See you next week in Kansas City, two weeks back here. Join us if you can. Bye now. Support for What Do You Know comes from this station and other public radio stations with additional support from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. In the Radio Store catalog, you'll find Michael Feldman's What Do You Knowledge book and the John Tulene What Do You Know Trio solo CD, along with many other items. Call 800-383-9772 to request a copy. That's 800-383-9772. APR, American Public Radio.